please stand your feet with me just for a moment. Stand your feet with me just for a moment. Stand your feet with me just for a moment. If you're physically capable, stand your feet with me today. We're actually, when I was a child, we're actually getting ready to do what my father always called the best time of service. And then those who believed clapped their hands. Amen. It's the best time of service. Those who didn't, they just stood like, oh, crap. I know what's coming. He said, this is the best time of service because now we actually get to put some money where our mouth is. Just one verse, and then I'll have you be seated, because I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to teach this for, food, for a few moments. So if you're physically capable to stand, please stand with me. I believe, I believe in honor, and I believe most definitely in honoring the Word of God. There's nothing greater. I'll give you this one verse, and I'm going to let you be seated. Okay? Matthew 6, 21, Jesus says this. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen? Amen. All right, you can be seated. I'm going to teach you here. And then I'm going to go into my sermon, okay? This is not my sermon. This is the, this is the, the pregame uh, hype speech, okay, if you will. All right. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you've ever been in church any length of time, like, like, like me, my, my, I, I, when I tell you I was born in church, literally my dad was teaching a Bible study when my mother's water broke. When I got home from the hospital a week later, because I had jaundice, when I got home from the hospital a week later, my home was the basement of the church. So all I've ever known is church. And so I'm used to hearing preachers say, where is your heart? What we're not used to hearing is what Jesus defines for us. I'll tell you where your heart is, where your money is. That's where your heart is. It's not with your family. It's not in this building. Your heart is where your money is. That's what Jesus said anyway. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I heard a gentleman by the name of Arian Rogers. He said this once. He said, a faith that hasn't reached your wallet probably hasn't reached your heart. Ooh. So we, we hear preachers all the time, where's your heart at? But, but I've always wondered, and maybe, maybe you did, because I was raised in church, I've always wondered, have we ever stopped to ask, why does God talk about money so much in the Bible? Why, why does God talk about money so much in both covenants? Why? Well, I, I think the other question we really need to consider is, doesn't everyone talk about money? I mean, come on, every company that you spend money on, aren't they always talking about money? Come on, that new deal for that new cell phone that you want so bad, it's only $1,599. Come on. Ooh. They're always talking about money. Apple's always talking about money. Amazon's always talking about money. McDonald's, someone's getting hungry. Always talking about money. So then why is church the only area where we get upset when someone talks about money? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because money is the witness of your heart. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I need you to know that the reason why God is so concerned about your money is because money tells God what you value. Money tells God what you deem is important. Uh, Michael, you don't have to do this right now, but Michael was trying to do this earlier. He was trying to show me his bank statement. Because if you show me your bank statement, you will show me what you value. If you look at Pastor Jamin's bank statement, you will see I value Pastor Olga and Justice and Ella and Zion and Evangeline. That's my wife and children. If you look at my bank statement, you can see what's important to me. Because where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. It's what I value. So while I can ask the question, where's your heart? Have we ever stopped maybe to ask the question, where is God's heart? 
what does God value? This, this, just, just five verses later in Matthew 6, 26, Jesus says, look at the birds. He says, uh, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you, can you just kind of just poke someone near you and just say, aren't you far more valuable? If, if God takes care of the birds of the air, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? See, when we actually stop to ask the question, where is God's heart? We look in the scriptures and we can see where God's heart is. God's heart, it was those he shares everything with. This is why Paul caught the revelation in Romans chapter 8 and he said, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us. Here's where God's heart is. How will he not also along with Jesus graciously give us all things? If you've been a recipient of God's goodness, can you open up your mouth and let the Lord know thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and favor. God's heart is with those that he shares everything with. So there are three groups of people in, in church on any given Sunday. The first group says this. The first group says, I share with God when I want to. Woo. You're the people who say it's all mine. I worked for it. I earned it. I deserve it. I can do whatever I want with it. It's mine. My money. And I just want to say this to every one of you who have robbed God in 2022. You have, what you've done in robbing God is you have actually robbed your family of blessings from heaven. Just know that. Don't, don't, don't tell me I forgot. Don't, don't tell me I, I just don't have enough. There's a reason why you don't have enough. Because you've robbed God. He is not first in your hearts. Because he's not first in your treasure. So what you've done is you've robbed yourself and your children of blessings. But I came to declare today that if we're going to start 2023 right, then we need to finish 2022 right. Second group of people say this. They say, I share with God because I have to. Now, I'm not going to lie. This used to be me as a teenager. When my parents, when I got my, that, guy, that birthday check, come on somebody. Growing up, I got, I got birthday money. Woo, I was seven years old. I, look at me, I got $100. Hey, hello, somebody. And first thing my daddy told me was, where's that $10? That, ten, that tenth belongs to God. And oh man, you know me, I was, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, but I wasn't happy. And, and I, I would give my, 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 my $10 because I had to. I gave because I had to. What I was saying is, yes, the tenth belongs to God, but the rest, ooh, that bad boy is mine. Them $90, I'm going to go to the mall. There was a place called Aladdin's Castle. We used to play video games, boy. And I go and I spend that $90 on them video games. Because it was mine. Ten belongs to God, but 90's mine. In obedience, I would give him what was his. But I deemed the 90 is mine. I found myself in that category for a long time. But then don't you thank God I grew up a little bit. Because there's a third group of people in this room, and here's what you say. You say, I share with, I, I, it's all God's anyway, and he shares it with me. Come on, son. It's all his anyway. It all belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And he shares it with me. 
Malachi 3.10. I didn't want to focus on the verse that focuses on a curse. I don't want to do that to you. I want to give you this verse because it all belongs to God. And here's what he says in verse 10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Maybe you don't realize this, but you feed me and my family. I stand here every week and I try to feed you the word. And if you don't feed me back, no wonder I'm, I'm starving. No, no, no wonder I'm, I'm losing some weight. Hello, somebody. What, what is happening? We're not reciprocating. Well, we're being fed, but we're not reciprocating and feeding back. So God says, make sure you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. The only time you're ever going to hear God say this is test me with your treasure. Test me with what's in your hearts. Test me in this and see if I will not. I love this verse and I know we preach it out of context many times, but God says, test me with your treasure and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it until it overflows. I want to highlight one word here. Someone say a blessing. Notice the power of one single blessing. God has so much power in just one blessing. There's so much power in one touch, one miracle, one blessing from God. Someone say, all I need is one. All I need is one. There's so much in one, I don't even, I won't even have room to contain it all. So much in one. God says, I promise you, I will pack so much blessing into just one. One. If you will be part of that group that says, it's all God's. And he shares with me. So much power in one. Here's what you do need to know about your God. He's not a God of lack. Your God is not broke. Your God is not impoverished. You're not a, not a get by God. Your God is excessive and exorbitant and superfluous and abundant and plentiful and bountiful and generous. Your God is the God who can do exceedingly and abundantly above all you ask or think. That's the God of the Bible. As we prepare our offering, this last month of 2022, I need you to know the reason you have robbed God, it's not because you don't have it. It's because your heart says, I need it. And Jesus taught us, and I'll tell us, talk about this more next week, but Jesus taught us, you know what the number one competitor for your heart is? Money. Money. How many of us in 2022 have replaced God on the throne of our heart because of money? Man, why is it getting quiet, y'all? Come on. I just, just fake an amen today. Come on. Pretend like you give every Sunday. Come on. Amen, Pastor. Well, I don't want to be fake and phony. Then stop being fake and phony with who's on your heart. I don't mean to sound like an a-hole. I don't. But some of you have treated God like he doesn't matter. Like he's not your treasure. Whew. Don't ignore me. Don't, don't look away. Let the word of God do what it does. 
and correct your hearts and heal your hearts. Because how many believe that in 2023, we're going to see some blessed people. We're going to see some exorbitant, abundant, plentiful, bountiful followers of Jesus Christ. Then it starts right here. It starts right here. Amen. Before I even take your offering, I want you to lay your hands on your heart. Because what does the Bible teach us? Let every man and woman purpose in their hearts. Let them purpose in their heart what they plan on giving. If you say it's all mine and I'll share with God what I want to, that's, that's what's in your heart. Okay? If you say the 10% is God's but the 90 is mine, that's what's in your heart. But if you can pray off that heart right now and just remind that heart, I wouldn't have anything if it wasn't for God anyway. Come on, lay your hands on your heart and remind yourself. It is God who has made it rain. It is God who has opened up the windows of heaven. It is God who has given me the strength to work. It is God who has been my Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Lord, correct my heart today. That way I will no longer rob you of blessing and I will no longer rob my family of just one blessing from heaven. That is enough, enough to pour, to pour out in my life in such a way I won't even be able to contain it all. But it starts here. It starts here. Where my treasure is. Jesus said this because my heart is already there. It's already there. Thank you, Lord, for healing and correcting our hearts. Now as we prepare to give. Do I, do I have any cheerful givers in the house? Do I have any, do I have any happy givers in the house? Don't have anybody ready to see the windows of heaven open up over your life and blessing poured out. Ooh, praise the Lord. I promise you this. God keeps his word. God keeps his word. Pastor Bethel and I are living proof that God is faithful to his word. Do I have anybody else that can testify God keeps his word? He keeps it. Amen. Amen and amen. Whatever you have to give to the Lord today, I want to, I want to say this. Even, even to those of you who don't have much, grab something to give today. You didn't, come to, you didn't come to the tabernacle. You didn't come to the temple in the Old Testament without a gift. The, the, the wealthy would, would, would bring those, those big gifts, those oxen. And, and, and the, the middle class would bring the lambs. The poor would bring the turtle doves. But they all brought something as a sacrifice to give back to God. Whatever you have, get something in your hand today. Get something in your hand today. We have multiple ways to give. I want to make sure everyone sees this because uh, you, I don't have any cash. I don't have any checks. Most people don't anymore. Praise the Lord. But guess what? We all have a debit card. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. Woo. I, I, I should just press somebody right now just to set up automatic giving for 2023 so you're automatically blessed all next year. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Don't get quiet on me now. Multiple ways to give so, that there are, so there's no excuse to not be blessed. Amen? Amen? Someone say amen. amen. I'm not going to fight for your amens all day today. You're going to give it to me because God is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Father, today we thank you for everything you have provided along the way. Everything you continue to provide. Even, even in our, our, our mentality where we lack here, where we don't see the bigger picture, where we, we're more focused on, on our now and, and we don't see what you can do in just a moment. Father, I thank you today that you are correcting hearts and allowing us to end this year right so we can start the next year right. You're a God of blessing, a God of provision, a God of abundance. Allow us to think on that level today where we are seated 
with Christ Jesus. I'm not seated on a street corner begging, ladies and gentlemen. I'm seated in heavenly places next to my Lord and Savior, Jesus. So let me think from that level. Let me give from that level. Let me operate from that level where I am with Christ in heavenly places. And ladies and gentlemen, I remind you who your God is. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Let all God's people say amen today. Amen today. Amen. Amen. I'm going to take the next, just the next 60 seconds, okay? I'm going to make sure, I want everybody to have something in their hand to give. However you're going to do that, okay? With their, you can give in the back of the room. You can give via your cell phone. You can come down and give in these boxes. How you see, everyone is going to move in some way and give today. If you're going to give God chump change, fine. Give God chump change. But give something today. Don't stare at me. Don't, don't act like he doesn't deserve it. Give it to God today. Can I get an amen from the givers in the house? Let me hear from the givers in the house. Amen? Amen. Let's just take a few moments and let's worship God now with our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. When we, uh, when we experienced that little glitch at the start of, of our, our worship moments, isn't it so cool how the enemy tries to, to, to mess with things and God's like, get out of the way, you chump. I, I love that. I mean, literally, like, like the, whole, the, whole, the whole room just glitched. Did your stuff reset? I mean, everything, everything just, just went, and the enemy was trying to mess with our worship. He could, have, he could have been acting up when we were just jumping around having a good time. No, he wanted to affect your intimacy with God. And you look at God. It's like, hey God, nothing going to keep you from me, baby, except you. So let, let the whole system crash. Are you still going to worship me in spirit and in truth? I love this time of year, and thank you, Jessica, for, for setting the stage for this because... This is the time of year when we get to say, Emmanuel, God is with us. Now, it's not only Christmas time. This is just a time we're conscious of these things. God with us. I, I, I want to show you this because it, it just makes me smile. Anyone ever, does anyone still set up like nativity scenes or Christmas village? Anyone still, it's okay. Don't, don't, be, don't be ashamed. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank God for you. Come on. Whew. Keep the traditions alive. I love it. My brother Dylan, he sets up this elaborate thing every year. Makes Courtney work for like two days, just trying, trying to get everything out. It's, it's awesome. But I love this nativity scene. Uh, Tiana, give him this nativity scene. This, this guy posted this. He said, uh, you got that picture there? He said, my mom still hasn't noticed. Do you see it? He said, my mom still hasn't noticed. <laughs> the, the wise still seek him. Zoom in, Tiana, so they can see it. Zoom in, so they can see it. If you didn't see if you missed it, there it is. Yeah, see? The wise still <laughs> Seek him. Come on, somebody. Can you say amen? Amen. This whole sermon series we're preaching is called Tis the Season. Someone say, Tis the Season. I'm going to start today off by, by telling you, Tis the Season for presence. Tis the Season for, for presence. Oh, I don't mean what's under the tree. Come on, somebody. Uh, uh, Tis the Season for, for presence. If I could subtitle this message today, I would just simply tell you, give God what he wants. Tis the season for, for presence. If you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And I might as well make you stand your feet with me to honor the word of God. Come on, let's go. Here we go. 
For all my Catholics in the house, you're used to this. You're used to getting up and down anyway, right? So this is, this is easy for you. For us Pentecostals, whew, we're getting our cardio in today. Praise the Lord. John 12, 1. John 12, 1. I know this might seem uh, uh, maybe an, uh, an awkward text for Christmas time, but it's really going to speak to tis the season for presents. It reads this way. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Obviously, this is right before Jesus is getting ready to lay down his life. This is where Lazarus lived in Bethany, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was being given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. One translation tells us it was her tears and this oil that anointed his feet. She cleaned his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance. Ooh, I love that verse. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he actually cared for the poor because he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. But Jesus said this, and I love what he says. He says, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. She saw the purpose. She did this in preparation. And Matthew's account says like this in verse 13. uh, Matthew 26, verse 13, he says, Jesus says, truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Someone say in memory, in memory. To this day, 2,000 years later, we are still talking about what she did as a memorial, what she did for Christ. Amen. I just want to ask you before I have you, before I have you sit down because it, it is Christmas time and at Christmas time, somebody always gets what they want. Amen. And someone always does not get what they want. With a show of hands, who always gets what they want at Christmas? Come on, with a show of hands. I'm about to cause some problems in here, aren't I? Because you're looking around like, what do you mean you don't always get what you want? Oh, you're about to get something. Amen. Okay, you, be, you be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. Amen. Amen. I am, I am living proof that I always get what I want at Christmas. Always. Do you know why? Because I want nothing. Pastor Olga hates it. I always tell her, give me what I want. Nothing. I am happy. I am content. I am blessed. I want for nothing because I ask for nothing. I'm happy with nothing. Amen. In fact, Devin and Karina bought me glasses at Christmas five years ago. My sunglasses. I still have those scratched up, deformed, broken, sideways things that I wear. I want for nothing. Nothing at all. 2022, my guy. Christmas is coming, my guy. <laughs> Somebody always gets what they want at Christmas. But, but, but how about those who don't? How about, how about the person who wanted the Xbox, but instead they got socks? <laughs> Did you misread what I wrote? I said Xbox, not socks. So, come on. So, somebody got a bracelet, but what they really wanted was a ring. Ooh.
Maybe just maybe the people in your life aren't being thoughtless. Maybe they give you what they like. It's just not what you want. There's a book that came out years ago called The Five Love Languages, and I won't get into that today, but, but maybe what we need to learn to do, and maybe we need to learn to ask the people that we love, teach me how to love you. I, I, I know how I want to love you. I, I, I know what my love language is, but teach me how to love you. Now, I want to tell you today that just as it is in our relationship with each other, so it is in our relationship with God. Maybe we need to stop giving God what we like. And instead, we, maybe we need to ask God, what do you want? Hmm. Would you just politely just nudge someone just close to you and just simply say, maybe you should give God what he wants. Maybe you should start giving God what, what he actually wants. Not what you like, what, what, what he wants. If, if, if the five love languages are true, and, I, and I've read this book, and we've taught this book, and, and I believe it is, then God has a primary love language. We all do. We have a primary love language. It is most important to us. When I was a younger man, I would have said that my primary love language was physical touch. If you know my brothers, Dylan and Devin, their primary love language is physical touch. As soon as they see you, they want to embrace you. I know some of you are just, you hate that. You're just like, oh God, I see Devin and Dylan, time to hide. Because, because physical touch is their love language. They want you to know that they love you. They love you. And so they express it in that way. They have a primary love language. Now, God has a primary love language. And maybe you didn't know this because maybe you don't read the Bible enough, but the Bible calls God's love language just one word. Worship. Worship. Somebody say worship. God loves worship. Here's what worship is if you're taking notes. Worship is j- just simply means to express worth. To express worth. Notice what I'm not saying. Worship doesn't mean that I feel something. We, we like to define what, many times what I, what I feel. I, I feel gratitude, and so I might stop and say, thank you, Lord. But that's not, that's not worship. That's, that's, a, that's expressing what you feel. What God is looking for is some actual expression, some, some actual motion, some actual action, some actual involvement. So worship means that I express his worth to me. Do you understand that nobody benefits from the love that you feel for them? They only benefit from the love that you show them. Let me help somebody here today. If you love me, show me. Show me. That's why all throughout the Bible, God is constantly communicating this one thing to his people. I need you to worship me. When Jesus shows up on the scene and he has this conversation with a woman at the well and she thinks the conversation is all about water, Jesus shows her, this conversation is not about water. This conversation is about worship and you don't, you worship what you don't even know. But he tells us this in John 4, 23, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Why? Because the Father is seeking for these kind of people to worship him. Somebody just take 10 seconds and say, God, you can stop your search. What you're looking for is right here. I'm a true worshiper. I will worship you with all that I am in spirit and in truth. Because God is spirit, so we must learn to worship him beyond our feelings. We must learn to express his worth in spirit and in truth. And you might just ask yourself this, why does God need my worship? 
I mean, isn't that the, the million-dollar question? Why does he need it? I mean, think about what we're saying. God, you need? You need something? Dude, you're God. When have you ever had a need? What, what, what is God has an insecurity problem? So he, he needs something from me? Is, does God have amnesia? Like, he's forgotten who he is, so he needs me to remind him? No, no, I, I need you to know that anytime God tells me to do something, it's not because he needs me to do it. It's because I need to do it. So whenever he tells you to forgive one another, it's not because he needs me to do it. It's because unforgiveness is a poison to my heart. And I think I'm taking it on you, but in the end, I'm killing myself. Anytime God says to you to love your enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those who despitefully, that's not because he needs it. It's because I need it. Anytime God says give and it will come back to you, it's not because he needs it. It's because I need it. And anytime God says to you, worship the Lord your God and serve only him, it's not because he needs my worship. It's because I need to worship him. Because if I won't worship him, him, if I won't worship God, I will find a lesser God to become the object of my worship. It happens with all of us. You might be sitting right next to the object of your worship right now. It might be sitting in your coat pocket or in your back pocket, the object of your worship. And anytime we refuse to worship God, we will settle for a lesser God. Second point I want to give you is this. The reason we are instructed to worship because worship has a reward. That reward is God. The reward of worship is God. If God knows anything, he knows that in order for me to function the way that he intended for me to function, I need more than just information. I need more than just principles. I need him. Come on, somebody. This sermon is not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. It's not that I'm inadequate. It's that this is not enough. In order for you to fulfill everything that God has called you to do, you need more than just my sermon for 45 minutes on a Sunday. You need him. And so many of us are setting for theology and sermons and information, and we're missing the greater reward. Worship is about him. And anytime I'm instructed to worship, it's because God wants to reward me with the greatest thing I can have, his presence in my life. That's why worship is so crucial, because worship gives me more than just principles and instruction. Worship gives me his presence. The presence of God gives us three things. If, you got, if you're taking notes, write these three things down real quick. The presence of God gives me three things. Number one, it gives me provision. It gives me provision. Because there are some blessings and some victories and some healings and some miracles and some breakthroughs and some, some, some power that I cannot experience when I just have information. Those things only come when I'm in his presence. It's in his presence. Some of you don't even realize this, but the reason you're so depressed and you're so anxious and you're so worried is because you're spending so much time in the presence of your problems. And I came to tell you today, some of your emotional needs are about to be met if you will just sit in his presence. Because Psalm 16 tells me, in his presence is the fullness of joy. your, Your emotional needs are about to be corrected if you will just sit in his presence. It's in his presence there's provision. Second thing I want to tell you is this. 
In the presence of God, there's perception. Some of the answers you're searching for right now, you won't get them from this sermon. You won't get them from the books you're reading. You won't get them from counselors and self-help gurus. You, you won't get the answers you're searching for from your, from your professor. You won't get it from your pastor. You won't get it from your, your favorite uh, YouTube preacher. Come on, we all got one. Is it me? Don't, don't say yes. I got you on Sundays, pastor, of course. I'm not offended. Do you understand that you, perception here, in the presence of God, per, there's perception because some of the answers that I, I'm looking for, I won't even find in my own personal experience. Have you ever faced a problem and you just couldn't figure out the solution? But then all of a sudden you were just in a moment of worship. And like lightning from heaven, an epiphany hit your soul. And at that moment you thought, I now know what to do. Can I help you? That was not a good idea. That was a God idea. It came in worship. My perception was changed. I, I just need you to know that you didn't get it from your perspective and your perception. You got it from his presence. And that's why 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But guess what? He has revealed to it us by his spirit. You need more than perception. You need his presence so everything he's prepared can be revealed for your life. Amen. And the third thing you need is this. You need provision, perception. That's what comes from his presence. The third thing that comes from his presence is this. My Pentecostals are going to say amen. Power. Whew. Come on, Pentecostal. We love doing this. I'm a Pentecostal boy, so you say power. I'm just like, what? The power flickered, but it came back on, right? Come on. Power. There's something about, about Pentecostals and power. We just, oof. oof just, hallelujah. What was that? Good Lord. It must have been power. I, I, I love this word power because it's in God's presence that I begin to understand I have power. It powers the ability to execute what God has instructed me to do. Let me say that again. So many of us hear the word, but the reason we can't do it is because we don't have any power. But power gives me the ability to act upon and put into action the instruction God has given to my life. And, and you need to know this. A Christian who is living his life with only principles, but not, with, but not in God's presence, is living a powerless Christian experience. You've got principles, but you don't have his presence. Therefore, you don't have his power. I, I watch my mouth, but how many denominations in America right now have his principles, but not his presence? And that's why their services are boring, because there's no power. No power. Now, I'm not suggesting that they're not saved, and I'm not suggesting they're not going to heaven. I'm suggesting they're living an inferior spiritual life. Come on, somebody. I, I'm suggesting what Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 2. In the last days, Paul said, people will have a form of godliness. They'll have his principles, but they'll deny his power. Uh, I'm, Michael, pull out your phone real quick. Pull out your phone. I'm suggesting that Michael's $1,000 cell phone. Michael, that phone can email. That phone can text. 
That, that phone can record. That phone can scroll until your thumb is numb. That, that, that phone can, can take pictures underwater. That phone has insurance that costs almost as much as the phone. But Michael, I'm suggesting to you that what you have in your hands, all that power means absolutely nothing if you only use it to make phone calls. Somebody help me for just a moment. It's not wrong to have the principles, but I'm living beneath my privilege when I don't operate in the power that is in my possession. Somebody put your hands together and say power. 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 Ooh. Power. All right. All right. We got through those three things. Now back to my notes. The third thing I want to tell you is this. When it comes to worship, I don't just want to offer it. I want it to be accepted. Come on, I want God to accept. I don't want to show up and be Cain. Here it is. Take it or leave it. I don't want to bring it. Work hard for it and just drop it and offer it. I want to have Abel's offering. One that God accepts and says, yes, this is what I was looking for. This is what I've been seeking for. I'm f I found the worship I sought after. I don't just want to offer worship. I want God to accept my worship. Let's go back to John 12. Because in John 12, John 12 actually fulfills the subtitle of my, my text today. I told you the, the sermon series is Tis the Season. Today's message is Tis the Season for Presence. But John 12 reveals really the, an example of how to give God what he wants. Jesus shows up in a, in a city called Bethany. Now Luke tells us that specifically, John doesn't say this, but Luke tells us. Luke's a gospel account. If you're still new to church, let me backtrack. There's four gospels. Well, four, there's one gospel, but four accounts. One gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Yeah. Four gospel accounts that we have, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John's account just tells us that Jesus was in Bethany at a house, but Luke's account of this story tells us he went to a man whose name was Simon. He actually was called Simon the leper. Now, he wasn't a leper after he met Jesus, because if he was a leper, he wouldn't have allowed to even be in his own home. But the reason he's there is because clearly he met Jesus, and Jesus healed him. But sometimes you just can't get past the, the, the labels people put on you. Come on, somebody. Come on. Yeah. So, so Simon, Simon the leper is what Luke says his, his name was. And some scholars say he was a possible relative of, of Martha, Mary, and, and Lazarus. Maybe he was Martha's husband. Maybe he was their father. Some possible relative, because clearly relatives live in the same area, in the same, same town. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So I can't get away from my family. <laughs> my God. Now, now I can't even move out of the same town. I, some of us can't even move out of the same block. Hello, somebody. I, I can't, I can't, get, I got to go to college to get away from, from, from my family. But whatever, wherever he was, clearly we, we understand this, that th th everything was going well. They were, they were reclining at the table, having a good time. Everything was going well until Mary started to worship. Look at verse four again. You got verse four for me, please? Can you give, go back to, give me uh, verse four because... We got to talk about this guy for a moment. Look who gets offended at her excessiveness. It don't take all that. Look, at, he gets offended at her excessiveness. He's like, 
That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. He's offended at her excessiveness. Notice who's not offended? The one who's worthy of the worship. Why are you acting like I'm not preaching Bible? Come on, somebody. I'm not even talking about your money anymore. Come on, you can smile now. I can barely see you any with this light in my face, but I can, for some reason, I'm, I'm feeling them scowls today. Help me. Somebody stretch your hands and pray for me right now. Come on. May the joy of the Lord stay my strength because when I'm looking at your beautiful face, it ain't looking very beautiful right now. Hello. Judas gets offended at her excessiveness. Maybe that's what's happening. Maybe somebody's getting offended at me right now. Just come next Sunday. Today is tis the season for presence. Next Sunday, Pastor Olga's going to preach tis the season for offense. I'm so excited about that message. Hallelujah. We'll see if you are as well if you show up. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Judas was offended at her excessiveness, but Jesus wasn't. Can, can I just help somebody right now? I need you to know that God does not care if your neighbor is annoyed. God doesn't care if your neighbor is offended at your excessiveness. God doesn't care if your neighbor's saying, why they clapping so loud? Why that woman over there crying again? Why brother Derek shouting pastor on so loud and telling him, take your time, pastor. I hate when pastor, I hate when pastor takes his time. <laughs> Derek, I came to tell you God is not offended at their annoyance. Shout me on anyway, brother. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. God doesn't care if they're like, when are they going to finally stop singing? Uh-oh, you can tell the Pentecostals because there comes that bridge just one more time. If you're ever watching the worship team and you see this, you know what it means. We're going to do it again. Do it again. Rev Dev, do it again. Oh, Lord, don't put your hand down, Jessica. Put your hand down. <laughs> can I tell you, Jess, God doesn't care that they're annoyed at your worship. Do it again. But, but here's what I want you to tell you. I, I need you to know this. Judy here. He's one of Jesus' disciples. This, this dude is, is one of Jesus' mentees. He's supposed to be one of Jesus' boys. He, 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 he's, he's, an, he's a team member. He's a church leader. He has a title and a function in Jesus' ministry. And here's what you need to get. If you're taking notes, write this down. But Judas represents someone who is close to Jesus and who speaks for Jesus but misrepresents Jesus. I don't even have the time to talk about pastors you love, Bible school teachers you love, former churches that you love, that they're close to Jesus, they speak for Jesus, but my God, they've misrepresented Maybe, maybe the point I'm just trying to, trying to let you know is that there are too many Judases in church. They're close to Jesus. They speak for Jesus, but they misrepresent Jesus. It's going to hit hard, y'all. Y'all ready? Throw that spiritual seatbelt on. We're about to go on a roller coaster ride. 
I thought the offering was roller coaster enough, Pastor. Thank you. <laughs> I need you to see this with me. Look, look, look. Look at it. While Jesus, oh, while Jesus is reclining, Judas kept on griping. But Mary kept on wiping. Cleaning. Culturally, biblically speaking, the glory of a woman is her her hair. The glory of a woman is her hair. So what's happening here? By using her hair to wipe Jesus' feet. This is beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, she is symbolically giving him all the glory. All the glory. She was simultaneously expressing her worship, but also ignoring their opinions. I'm just looking for a generation that will not be controlled by the opinions of naysayers. Do not be controlled by the opinion of Judas. Give Jesus your worship. Uh, Somebody needs to know this because you're not truly worshiping until you're worshiping for the audience of one. Nadia, I know you're here somewhere, Nadia. I would always tell my students back in the day, anytime we get up here, I would tell you, you don't worship for the students in this room. You worship for the audience of one because you're never truly worshiping until you stop worrying about everyone else and you give your worship to the audience of one. Can somebody say like Mary today, you may not like it, but you can't stop it. You don't know what God has done for me. You don't know what he's brought me through. You don't know how he's healed me and cleansed me and changed me and and helped me. You don't know what he's done, so you have no say over my worship. I love what Mary does here. She is able to worship because she refused to listen to Judah's voice. Instead, what she did is she replaces his nonsense with Jesus' voice. How many of you right now are having an inferior spiritual experience because you've been taught by Judas? This is why people don't tithe. Because you were taught by Judas. Or maybe he wasn't the guy behind the pulpit. Maybe it was just you at home coming to your own conclusions. You have an inferior spiritual experience week in and week out. You don't even receive healing. You don't even receive joy. You don't even receive deliverance because you've been taught by Judas. I'm not saying Judas Judas isn't close to Jesus. I'm not saying Judas isn't speaking for Jesus. I'm saying Judas has misrepresented Jesus. And now you have an inferior spiritual experience. This is why so many Christians even today are opposed to the idea of healing. They're opposed to the idea of deliverance. They're opposed to the idea of giving Caesar what is Caesar's and God what is God's. Because you've been taught by Judas. Even your idea of forgiveness came from Judas. Well, I'm going to forgive you. And then I'm just going to act like nothing ever happened. Say what? I'm going to forgive you, but I'm not going to place my wallet near you again. Because I've learned if my wallet's there, my money's not. I forgive you for stealing from my wallet, but you crazy if you think I'm going to let you hold it again. No, 
I forgive you, but I'm not going to forget what has happened. Why? Because I don't want it to happen again. But Judas has taught me, just forgive and forget and act like nothing's ever happened. That's why you're so frustrated with people right now. Because you let them keep walking all over you. You got too personal, Pastor. I'm not saying that God can't wipe the slate clean. I'm not saying God can't change their life. I'm saying, you know what? There are some things I just won't forget. Oh, I forgive you. But I'm too smart to let it happen again. And that's why some of you keep going back to the same relationship over and over again. Because you've forgiven, but for some reason you've forgotten. Nothing has changed in their life yet. And it's not going to until they surrender their heart to Christ. But that's not my topic for today. I just came to simply tell you the reason you are suffering and struggling is because you are practicing a faith that has been taught to you by Judas. And Judas is telling you, go ahead and worship in your own way. And I came to tell you, no, you worship in God's way. Judas is telling you, you don't have to go to church. You can stay home and worship at home. And I'm telling you, yes, you can. But are you? You're at home watching me right now, but are you at home worshiping right now? I love you, but get your butt back to church. And I say it because I love you. I came to just tell somebody God is not just ready to deliver you from bad sin. God is ready to deliver you from bad religion, bad doctrine, bad beliefs. God set us free from BS belief systems. Can I get it? Amen. Tiana, give me verse 7. Give me verse, give me, oh, there it is, verse 7. I love this. But Jesus, Jesus says to her, he says, he says to Judas, he says, Judas, while you're speaking your own mind, I'm going to silence you from speaking for me. You can speak your own mind, but you're not going to pretend to speak for me. Speak your own mind, but stop misrepresenting me. So Jesus speaks up and he says, stop right now. Stop. Leave her alone. She did this as preparation for what's to come, for my purpose, for my destiny. She realized my worth before I even died. You don't anoint the body till after it's dead, but by faith she could see that Christ was going to fulfill his purpose. And so she worshipped him. By faith she worshipped a man who was going to die and resurrect again. Y'all got to catch us today. Got to catch us today. And this is why he says in uh, Matthew 26, verse 13, he says, what this woman is doing will never be forgotten. Why won't it be forgotten? See, I just told you a minute ago, forgive, but there are certain things you don't need to forget. What this woman did will never be forgotten. In other words, Jesus is telling us, I want you to learn from her. I, what she has given me, I deserve it. I deserve 
this. Simon, I walked in your house and you gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no greeting and no kiss. This is what he tells Simon if you read Luke's account. And he, and he, and he makes it clear in that moment. Uh, Matthew, what, what he makes clear to him is, I have come and I, and, and I have presented myself and you've done nothing to make me feel welcome, nothing to make me feel worthy, nothing to make me feel valuable. But this woman will not stop kissing my feet, washing my feet and drying them. with. She won't stop giving me what I deserve. And I just need to know if there, is a, if there is a desire and a design from God for your worship. Are you ready to just say, God, whatever your desire is, let me be the one to worship you the way you designed and the way you desire. Anybody can just say, yes, Lord. I don't want to do it my way. I surely don't want to do it Judas way. Let me do it your way according to your design. So what I believe is we see right here with this woman. One more three things. I give you three things within three things within three things today. Nine things total. I hope that's all my math is right. Three things that Mary's worship ultimately shows us that we can learn from and I believe even incorporate into our own personal worship. First thing was this. She offered grateful worship. I know that Thanksgiving is over, but gratitude has to actually be intentional. You know why it has to be intentional? Because every human heart is tilted towards entitlement. So I have to be intentional. Come on. You, you, you know how this works. Has God been good to you? And has he been good to you for so long that you've now taken his goodness for granted? He's, he's just been that good. Come on, somebody can testify right now. Some of you, are, you're living in and you're writing in and you're working in and you're married to something you used to pray for, but now you're complaining about. Ooh, God, send me a man. And ooh, Lord, why'd you send me this one? Hello, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. All these things I used to pray for, now I'm complaining about. Why? Because God has been so good to me for so long, I can take his goodness for granted. I don't, I don't even, and it doesn't mean I'm evil. It means I'm human. It means I'm, my heart is bent towards entitlement. Think about it. This is what has happened to your ungrateful children. They have no idea how favored they are because your favor is their normal. They don't even know it. Come on. My kids have no idea what it's like to have one landline. One single phone attached to a wall with a stretchy cord. Come on, somebody. <laughs> My kids don't know what it's like to be talking on the phone to your girlfriend, and then your father picks up the phone, and you're just like. And all you can hear is your daddy say, get off the phone now. They have no idea what that is like, because all they know is my favor. It's their normal. I've been so good for so long. Maybe they've taken my goodness for granted. And now they become entitled. And can I tell you who wants to keep you entitled? Your enemy. Your adversary. Satan wants to keep you so entitled. Why? Because entitlement is the enemy of your contentment. I'll say it again. Entitlement is the enemy of your contentment. Think about it. Until you're content... You're not happy. And if most of us are honest, we've made our worst decisions 
when we were not happy. Well, I don't mean to bust anybody out, but how many of you bought a dog <laughs> when you weren't happy? And you thought that dog was going to bring you some happiness. I'm not looking at you, Michael. I'm looking at the camera. <laughs> but come on, somebody. I was unhappy. And, 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 and what happened? I made a bad decision when I wasn't happy. But gratitude. I said gratitude. I said gratitude is the antidote for entitlements. You need to know that gratitude actually becomes warfare against discontentment. Because when you are content, you're wise. When you're content, you won't be seduced by, oh, pretty thing. When, when you are content, you can look at opportunities and individuals, and you know it's not good for me. And even though you're trying to entice, I came to tell you I'm content. Nah, nah, honey, I'm good. When I'm, when I'm content, I can say like Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Can somebody just lift a hand and say, I'm content because God has been too good. I don't take it for granted. I throw up my hands right now when I say, thank you, Lord, for all you've done. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So the reason Mary's... Is, is worshiping the way, she is, the way she is is because she's so grateful. And why is she so grateful? Because of who else is sitting at the table. Listen to me. Listen to me now. Jesus wasn't the only one seated at that table. Give him verse 1 again, Tiana. Jesus shows up. I love when people catch a revelation in their spirit because it comes out of their mouth. Go ahead and testify, ladies and gentlemen. Anytime God reveals something to you, open up your mouth and declare, I got it. I caught it. Who else is sitting at the table? She is worshiping this way in chapter 12 because of what God did in the previous chapter. In chapter 11, Lazarus has been dead for four whole days. But Jesus shows up a little late. But he says, remove that stone. And he speaks to the dead man. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead thing begins to come alive and walk again. The reason she's so great in chapter 12 is because of what Jesus did in chapter 11. Have you forgotten your chapter 11? I came to tell you, stop forgetting. Have you forgotten your chapter 11? Have you forgotten that something in you one time died? Have you forgotten that one time you were dead in your sins and your trespasses? Have you forgotten one time you gave up all hope? Have you been healed so long you forgot what it was like to be in pain? Have you been free so long you forgot what it was like to be bound up? Have you been sane in your mind so long you forgot what it was like when you almost lost it? Have you been filled with the Spirit for so long you forgot what it was like to be empty? But I came to tell you, you better remind yourself. Psalms 103, verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
Somebody put your hand together and tell your soul, remember, remember, don't forget what God has done. Remember, remember. Stand your feet with me, stand your feet with me. I'm going to make you sit down again in a moment. Whenever you think about where you are, hear me. Whenever you think about where you are, not where you wish you were, I want you to pause for a moment and just remember where you could have been. This is going to help somebody. Anytime you pause and just say, where am I? How did I get here? Do not, do not stop and focus on where you wish you were. Take a moment, just remind yourself where you could have been. Come on, if you're alive today because of chapter 11, in your chapter 12, can you throw up your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Uh, if, if, If you've been revived in chapter 11, can you throw up your hands in chapter 12 and say, thank you, Lord. If you've been given a whole other chance in life, chapter 11 was, I was dead, but Jesus showed up and redeemed me from the grave. Can you throw up your hands in chapter 12 today and say, God, I praise you for what you did in chapter 11. I praise you for what you did. She offered grateful worship because you sat at the table with her. Come on, just 10 more seconds of just grateful worship. I thank you, Lord. 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 Okay. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to, to just reverently, if you want to say stand, you can. I, I feel like I have to get through these two points. Is that okay? Can I get through these? I'll be as quick as I can, but I, I got to get through these. Torch is going to offer you three things within three things within three things. I'm going to give you seven so far. I feel like Star Wars. Oh, my God. Hopefully, episode eight and nine are better than Star Wars. Come on, somebody. Ooh, pray for me. She offered grateful worship. If you need to sit down, you can, but I'm almost done. But here's what else she offered. She offered genuine worship. I've been in church a long time. I've seen a lot of different kinds of worship. I've seen people wave flags. I've seen people lose their wigs and weaves. I've seen people hucking, bucking. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen you know the with the mascara just all over, just looking like like a Halloween project gone wrong, just crying to the president. I, I've seen all kinds of crazy things in church, but what I've never seen is somebody worship with perfume. And look what she does. She brings this this perfume, and, and I need you to know this: Mary's worship was consistent with Mary's wiring. This was her personality. This is who she was. She was like this, Pastor Olga. She was like, this is how I do it. I said it because you saw Pastor Olga's reel. She had, she had us dancing to Montel. Jordan. Thank you. I should know that name. Michael Jordan. She's like, this is me. I'm wired this way. This is how I worship. And I want you to know you have to find your own genuine expression of worship. Because if it's not genuine, it's not real. And if it's not real, it will not be accepted. It has to be genuine. So this is what I love about our God. He gives us multiple ways within which we can express our worship. So no matter what your personality type is, you can find your expression and not find an excuse. The introverts in the room are always looking for an excuse, but those who want to do it God's way are simply saying, let me find my expression. 
not my excuse. And so the Bible says, praise God in the dance. Oh, shoot. But that doesn't mean that everybody has to dance. The Bible simply says, let the dancers dance. Let the clappers clap. Let the shouters shout. Let the singers sing. Let the praisers praise. Let the leapers leap. Seriously, if everybody's doing the same thing, somebody's being fake. Express your worship in your way. But, Psalms 156, let everything that has breath don't you sit there quiet and silent. If you've got breath in your body, then praise ye the Lord. Come on, just five seconds. Praise him. Praise him. If you dance, dance. If you leap, leap. If you clap, clap. If you shout, shout. But praise him. She offered genuine worship. Last thing. And you thought I was done with offering. She offered grateful worship. She offered genuine worship. But the last part hits hard, family. It hits hard, especially in this year of financial difficulty for so many of us. Gas prices and food prices and inflation. Things going through the roof and our our. Our income and our output are no longer matching up and some of us are struggling to even try to save and just make ends meet. Michael and I were talking about this before service. The reason so many people are struggling just to make ends meet is because they keep cutting off the blessing of God. But look what happened in this situation. Mary didn't just offer up grateful worship and she didn't just offer up genuine worship. She offered up generous, generous worship. Why do you think your boy Judas got upset with her worship because he realized how much it was worth it's worth the whole her worship is worth a whole year's wages so you hear me today i'm just i'm not standing here just encouraging you to worship i'm standing here today trying to redefine your worship i said this word redefine by redefine, I do not mean the definition by trying to get you to do it differently. It's not what I mean. By redefine, I mean I'm trying to get you to worship properly. Do it the right way. The proper way. I'm arguing that too much of your understanding of worship comes from Judas and not from Jesus. So the Bible teaches, if I am a praiser, are they in the house? If I am a dancer, are you in the house? If I am a singer, are you in the house? If I am a, a preacher, are you in the house? If I am a worshiper, are you in the house? Hear me, the Bible teaches if I am any of those things, but I'm not a giver, I'm not really a worshiper. I sing, I raise my hands, I go through the motions, but I'm not really a worshiper if I'm not a giver. And this is where I feel your religious spirit trying to fight the word of God right now. Holy Spirit, I speak against every religious devil, right? Somebody who's spiritual, help me pray against this demonic thing that keeps you bound, that keeps you in lack, that keeps you without the blessings of God over your household. I, re I rebuke this evil spirit. There's nothing more evil than a religious devil because there's nothing Jesus had to fight more than religious demons.
Read your Bible. My God. I'm arguing that what you, what you understand about worship actually falls short. Because you think it's just a slow song and soft lights and singing. That's just an expression. But genuine worship is found when I'm a giver. And you religious people who don't agree with me, guess what? You also don't agree with Jesus. Okay, I will. I'll let him say it for me, Dill. Everyone look at the screen. Don't look down. Look at the screen. You don't agree with Jesus. Matthew 15, 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. It's in vain. Why? Because they teach man-made, Judas-made ideas. And they teach them as though they were commands from God. Somebody's absolutely going to twist what I say next, Paul. But guess what? I'm going to say it anyway. Go ahead and twist this, but I'm going to say it anyway, Dylan. I'll go, go ahead and twist this, but I'm going to say it anyway, Pastor Olga. According to Judas, we should give to the poor first. But according to Jesus, we should never give to anything before we give first to God. Pastor Olga, does that mean my bills? Does that mean the government? Does that mean my belly? Judas would argue the poor need this, but Jesus would argue you've always got the poor with you. You can help them anytime, but give first to God what is God's. Before you even give to the poor, and I know somebody's going to twist this, it's Jesus' words. He says, give to God first. Give to God first. If I had two mirrors right now looking at me, the Bible would tell me there are two mirrors that reveal what's really in my heart. The first mirror is my words. Matthew 12, 34. Out of the overflow, out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. So my words are a reflection of my heart. But there's another mirror. The other mirror is my resources. As I said during offering, Luke 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart. How many of you are worshiping God with this? This mirror reflects worship, but that mirror reflects your bills and your, 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 your clothing and, and your desires and your vacation and, and, and your Christmas wish list. Those things have your heart. Your words and your resources reveal what's really in your heart. And the reason some of you don't, it really, you don't mind investing so much money in Christmas is because that's where your heart is. And I'm not telling you not to be good to your family. I'm saying don't put your family before God. And isn't it wonderful to know that of all days that Christmas falls on this year, it happens to fall on a Sunday. And if you didn't know, we're not going to interrupt your Christmas morning. We're not going to have church till 3 in the afternoon. Come on in your pajamas and your slippers and your hot chocolate and eggnog and worship on his birthday. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The reason you don't mind investing in Christmas is because your heart is there. The reason some of you are not going to mind right now that I'm getting ready to take a second offering 
is because your heart is right there. Well, I know that Pastor Bethel and I are going to give. I know that. Because that's where our hearts are. That's where our hearts are. That man of God does not stand up here every week and just give you platitudes and go through the motion. He gives you the word of God so your family can be blessed. Can I get an amen from somebody who believes and is thankful for a man who practices what he preaches? So the reason you're not going to mind that I tell you, let's raise $5,000 for Operation Christmas. I'm not talking about your tithe. I'm saying let's raise $5,000 for Operation Christmas. If I can get 50 people just to give $100, we can knock it out today. 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 Pastor, why not 100 people give 50? Ah, I felt like the Lord told me there are going to be 50 people that are going to give $100. You can give above and beyond if you want to. Why? Because where your heart is, that's where your worship is. That's where your treasure is. My amens got really quiet. And yet I know what's going to happen. God, by his spirit, is going to press your heart to say, you can go ahead and, and fast a little bit this week. You're gonna, you can go ahead and forego your Starbucks and, and go to Dunkin'. Between two and six, because it's cheaper. Hello. And you can absolutely give what God is requesting of you today. Every Sunday, bring it way down for some more. I got to be clear about this. Rev Dev, every Sunday, I watch Christians show up here on church and show up online. And they honor God with their lips. They say amen. They shout me on. They, they jump in the group chat if they're still with me now. They might have dipped out a while ago. Hello, somebody. In this room, many of you will sing and you'll shout and you'll cry out to God. You honor God with your lips. But every Sunday, just I watch people's worship go in vain. Because we don't just worship God with our words. We worship God with our possessions, our resources. It's in both covenants to give, 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 give. There's nothing that reflects the heart of God more than when you give. It's his nature. It's his character. For God so loved the world that he just sat on his throne and left us to our own devices. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Anybody want to join me in this? I want to be a biblical worshiper. I want to worship God's way. I, I want my worship to mean I'm expressing his worth. Can anybody lift a hand and say nobody and nothing matters more to me than you, Lord? Do I, do I have a witness in this room? Nothing matters more to me. Come on, lift your hands with me and declare, Lord, nothing matters more to me. Not my bills, not my family. Not my desires, not my Christmas wish list. Nothing matters more to me than you, Lord. I want to say it like this. God, whatever you demand, you deserve. Come on, somebody help me. God, whatever you demand, you deserve. I need somebody to testify from your heart. Whatever you demand, you deserve. Whatever you, you require, you are worthy of. 
whatever you ask from me you deserve you deserve it you deserve it you deserve it you deserve it